making offers, and cashing checks. What's new? What's next? With Ashley Montillon. Hey guys, it's Ash bringing you what's new and what's next at Epic Real Estate. I'm joined once again by my cat, Cody. Um, shout out to all my cat people out there. <laughs> um, all right, so let's get right into it. And let's start with what's new. So I wanted to give a shout out to all of our new REI ACE members who joined us at the REI ACE Summit this past weekend here in Vegas. It was an awesome weekend. Um, set up systems, launched marketing, went over seller interviews, how to present contracts, quick and dirty math formulas, basically everything every investor needs to know to get out on the field, start talking to sellers, know which are the right sellers they need to be talking to, and how to talk to them to convert more and more deals. All that with all of their marketing and systems launched and set in place for them by the time they get home. So real quick, I just wanted to shout them all out. So Mike, Casey, Matt, Kyle, Kim, and Levi, thank you so much for joining us this past weekend. We're so excited for your successes in the near future, um, and we know that you guys are going to kill it. So if you're interested in REI ACE and want to know a little bit more about it, see if it's a right fit for you, go to reiace.com, fill out an application just to have a conversation with one of our strategists, and we will take it from there. All right, so let's get into some wins. I wanted to start with a post from a member of our follow-through crew pilot program, a limited program that we launched earlier this year, just a couple of months ago, actually. And he posted this in the private Facebook group for that pilot program. Um, and I just I went ahead and shared it in our Epic Pro Academy members area. So Chris, he said his return on investment from this pilot program after it was all said and done has netted me after all expenses, including this program, $97,482 so far. Um, Wow. And then he also finished it off by saying, not bad, Matt. Thank you. That is simply amazing, Chris. Thanks so much for sharing um, the ROI you've gotten from not just this course, but from real estate in general. And it's really refreshing just to see somebody take full advantages of the resources, take full advantage of the coaching, um, and really put it into action. So if this is just a sliver of what you're able to do in just a couple of months, um, we are all just on the edge of our seats waiting to see um, what's to come next for you, Chris. So thank you. And I hope that this inspires another investor as well. Alrighty. So I got another big uh, win for you guys. So a boss, he said, this week marks my one year since I came into REI Ace. I had never done a wholesale deal before. It took me four months to get my first deal. I grossed $71,000 this past year wholesaling part-time with another 16000 in escrow. I've learned a ton through trial and error this past year, but I'm confident I will do much more in year two and hope to transition to REI full-time. Thanks, Matt, Miguel, and team for showing me the ropes. I'm proud of myself. Um, we are very, very proud of you too, Abbas. That is just amazing. We've seen so many times investors come in and they don't have um, instant results. Some people do have instant results. It really just depends on so many factors. Your marketing, there's just so many factors. In some instances, it takes a couple of months to take off. And in other instances, it just takes off right away. Um, it really just depends on so, so many factors. And the fact that you were able to be patient with it and not give up um, and lean on the team to do it. That is just amazing. And um, thank you so much for sharing. And any investors out there who are listening to this um, and are just starting out or um, have been in the game for a little bit and haven't seen a lot of traction, it'll come. Just take advantage of the resources that are available to you. Um, and of course, reach out to us for some help um, if necessary. And if you want us to set it up all for you, um, go to reiace.com and um, we'll help you out there. Already, Chris, he had two properties under contract to purchase for a rehab and flip, and he's netting 20000 from each property. Um, let's see, Calvin, he said he went to ground and pound school last week in St. Louis and gained the tools to securing more deals. Awesome, Calvin, glad you were able to join us. And Chevy, he got a single family home under contract. Um, big win, awesome, Chevy. Wayne, he also has two properties under contract. Chris, Chris again. So the first um, post that I read from Chris at the beginning of uh, this what's new section, that was actually a post that he did about um, a couple of days ago. And this post that I'm about to read is uh, one that he did just this past Friday. He closed seven deals this week. He posted pictures for all seven deals. Um, let's see, we got a $5,000 check, $5,000 check, $5,000 check. Let's see what else. Um, another $5,000, another $5,000, a $4,000 and $11,000 check. <laughs> Damn, that is just badass, Chris. Kim, Kim has a flip under contract, estimated profit of 100000 Dimitri, he also completed the St. Louis Ground and Pound School. He said he's inspired. 
Josiah, he sold one of his properties and netted 19000 So Mark and Bryce, they posted 5 o'clock Friday close and posted a check they got this week for just over $6,000. Awesome. Great to hear from you guys and hope you guys keep killing it. That's all I have for now for what's new. It was a pretty strong what's new this past week, I got to say. And real quickly, let's get into what's next. So a little birdie told me that we are hosting three more epic intensives next year. I don't have the dates confirmed just yet, um, but we are hoping to throw the first one um, sometime in the spring. As soon as we have that ready to go, we'll be posting in our Facebook groups. We'll be updating epicintensive.com. We'll email everybody and let you guys know what the details are, what's going on, what's the theme for this one. And um, we're really excited that we're going to be doing these again next year. Um, so keep an eye out for any Epic Intensive updates and we hope to see um, some new faces there next year. So that's all that I have for you guys. I'll see you next week and enjoy the show. This is Terrio Media. Success in real estate has nothing to do with shiny objects. It has everything to do with mastering the basics. The three pillars of real estate investing. Attract, convert, exit. Matt Terrio has been helping real estate investors do just that for more than a decade now. If you want to make money in real estate, keep listening. If you want it faster, visit reiace.com. Here's Matt. Hello, and welcome to the Epic Real Estate Investing Show. This is where I show people how to escape the rat race using real estate. And I did it myself by just changing one thing just one time. And that one thing that I changed was really my focus. I shifted my focus from making piles of cash to making streams of cash. And with that one shift in my focus and following it up with correlate action, I accomplished in just under four years what 95% of our population is unable to do in 40 years, and that is to achieve financial freedom. And the 95% that are failing, not their fault, by the way, there's nothing wrong with them. They aren't bad people. They aren't unintelligent people even. They don't lack any talents or natural gifts. None of those reasons are the cause of their failure. They are failing merely because they are doing what they've been told to do their entire lives. They are following the antiquated advice of go to school, get good grades, get a secure job, buy a house, pay it off, eliminate debt, live below your means, max out your 401k, clip coupons, just work, 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 and save, 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 and sacrifice, 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 all in the interest that someday you'll achieve financial freedom after the most active years of your life are past you. That's insane advice. If financial freedom is what you're after, of course, it's insane advice for a few reasons. First, it's insane because even if you do execute this plan perfectly, it's going to take you 40 years to achieve. You've got to put off living today so you can live tomorrow. Well, tomorrow, it ain't promised. And it's insane to prepare for your future in a manner that costs you your present. The second reason it's insane the government puts limits on how much you can actually save in retirement vehicles, such as, you know, 401ks and IRAs, stuff like that, qualified retirement plans. So even if you wanted to speed up the process by working harder and saving more aggressively, the government puts a limit on that, causing you to wait 40 years anyway. Now, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I try to stay away from those types of thoughts. I try to stay away from just politics and corruption and all that stuff anyway, because most of the time, whether that stuff is true or not, there's very little that we could do about it anyway. But sometimes, you know, these, it just seems so blatant that you can't help but think that the powers that be want to just keep you in check. They want to keep you in line. They want to make you stay in your lane. I mean, why do we all have to cross the finish line at the same time at the age of 65 or is it 62 or 59 and a half, whatever it may be. It's, I mean, who established that number, that 60 year mark? Because if you think about it, it is completely arbitrary. It's silly. America is supposed to be the land of opportunity of where if you work hard, you get rewarded for it. And if you work really hard and do it faster, you should get to reap the rewards of your efforts faster. You know, I realize there's 
some room for debate here, and that's okay. This is America, and we're all entitled to our own opinion. And, but that one is mine, so I've got my opinion. Now, the third reason following that old advice is insane, and this is the primary reason, is that it's built on a philosophy of accumulating money, creating a giant pile of money, and creating that pile of money so high that it will eventually create a stream of money for you. And on paper, this philosophy works. I mean, you always get the power of compound interest always gets brought into that equation. And yes, the power of compound interest is quite the power. Could be uh, the eighth wonder of the world. But here's the problem with compound interest. It takes a really long time. And it's accompanied by great sacrifice, as I've covered a bit already. So if you'd like to experience financial freedom before the age of 65, or if you are 65, 55, or even 45, and you don't have the time left in your life to allow that old traditional advice to work its quote-unquote magic, couldn't you just focus on creating the stream of income first and then allow the stream of income to create your pile? I mean, I'm not even going to, to give you time to answer. The answer is yes, you could. And that's what I did. And I'll let you in on something. It didn't take nearly 40 years. You know, we may be taught the right stuff, meaning that traditional advice that I, I mentioned earlier. Some of it is good. Some of it is really good. But it's the sequence of which you implement that advice. That's what I question. No, it's the sequence that we're taught to implement that advice that is insane. I didn't do anything differently than what we were taught. I just chose to flip the equation over and focus on the streams of money before the piles of money. All right, so today, big day. This, I don't know, over the next few days, I guess, actually, as we're going to start from scratch. We're going to start your business from the beginning. And if you've never done a deal before, you're in the right place. And if you have done a deal or more, you're in the right place as well. And annually, what I do is, as I shared yesterday, I get back to the basics to confirm that I'm not overcomplicating my business or complicating it at all, all in the interest of efficiency and profitability. That's what I do every year. Alrighty. So let me start. Let's start that journey together. And, uh, you know, contrary to the popular cynical belief, it is well within the realm of possibility to experience financial freedom within the next five to 10 years through conventional and creative real estate investing. Meaning you really can enjoy the good life while you're still young enough to do so. Further, you can create a legacy to pass on to generations for generations to come. You can become the revered, respected, and long remembered branch of your family tree. That branch that holds the tire swing, the fun guy, the fun girl right? Financial freedom, it is alive and well, and it's waiting for you. You merely just have to meet it halfway. So consider this, the, the next, you know, several days that, of, that we're going to be working together, the bridge between you and your freedom. It is my pleasure on this show to demystify the real estate investing process for people because there is plenty to go around. There are more than enough opportunities for everyone and I want to help you the way that others helped me. My only request is that you follow the instructions here and as they are designed, because it's the fastest path to helping yourself. There may be a faster path, but it's certainly much, much, much faster. I would say 10 times faster. And that is not an arbitrary number. I've actually done the math. I've put it on a spreadsheet and I have calculated it to be 10 times faster than the traditional approach that we're all taught. So if you have a tendency to rip open boxes and start putting things together and ignoring the instructions, this would be a good time to break that habit. Because unless you change your thinking and actions, you simply don't have a chance at freedom. And everyone deserves a chance for that, or two chances, or three. And what do I mean when I say that you don't have a chance? Well, I mean that you don't have a chance at a comfortable retirement let alone any sort of financial freedom, unless you get involved in real estate. Specifically, 
And I've shared these these stats on on the show before, but I'll continue to share them because I realize that we we gather new listeners all the time, and so and I also am aware that we all forget stuff that we've heard all the time, and these numbers are nothing for you can't afford to ignore them. You can't afford to just pass them off as a fun fact. And what I'm talking about are 95 percent of Americans, 65 and older, are either dead or dead broke. 95%. And it makes you wonder from where 95% of the population is taking their financial advice, doesn't it? Likely from other members of this 95% club. It's a case of the financially blind leading the financially blind. So let's start with a, a question. Who's leading you? Who is your leader? Where are you getting your financial advice from? Is it a neighbor? Is it the person in the cubicle next to you? Is it your broke brother-in-law? I used to have one of those, so I know I can relate. Or are you taking your financial advice from someone who has what you want? Are you taking your financial advice from someone that has more than you, at least? Let me ask you this. If you wanted to be a medical doctor, wouldn't it make sense to go get advice and learn from a practicing physician? If you want to learn to fly a plane, wouldn't it make sense to learn from an actual pilot? If you want to make it to the major leagues from where would your best advice come? A little league coach or a major league manager? I mean, these are all relatively logical questions with obvious logical answers, right? So what if you wanted to become financially free? Where should you seek advice? Doesn't it make sense to get it from someone who is financially free? Of course it does, right? Is this the approach you've been taking though? If not, why not? Plenty of stuff right there to think about, just right there. We all know exactly where we'd go if we wanted to become an airplane pilot. But why are we so confused where to go when we want to become financially free? Here's the fundamental breakdown in the world. The first and primary place where we get our financial advice from is our home, right? It's our parents. That's where we first learn or where we're first exposed and then learn about money. And if you weren't blessed with financially free parents, there's a really strong chance that you won't learn financial freedom from your primary source of financial education, your parents. Rich parents, they teach their kids to be rich and poor parents teach their kids to be poor. Just how it goes. Not on purpose, of course. All parents want the best for their kids. But we can only teach what we know. The tragedy is that when it comes to money, most people think they know. It seems like such a simple concept and everybody has their opinion or ideas of how money should be managed, how it should be invested, how it should be cared for, what you should do with money. But how could most people possibly know when 95% of them who live to see the age of 65 are in financial ruins. 95%, that's almost everybody. You know, there's an ancient Chinese proverb that says, to know and not do is to not know. So that's what I mean when I say that if you weren't blessed with rich parents, you're not going to be rich by way of the status quo. You're gonna have to find another source of financial education. So that's the first place where we get our financial information from. The second source of our financial education is our school system. And their idea of financial education, as I mentioned in in opening up today's episode, is, you know, you go to school, stick it out, go to school, do your best, get good grades, get that good job when you graduate, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, right? I've already said, I've said it here hundreds of times over the last decade. And I, I really can't stand to hear it again. And after following that advice and making all the sacrifices that accompany following it, Barring any catastrophes along the way, you finally get to enjoy life when you are 65 years old. That's what our teachers were taught, and it's what they were taught to teach. It's what we've been all, I mean, we've all been taught this for decades. I mean, perhaps even centuries. And, And it worked for a while. It worked really well for a while. It worked well for a lot of people, but not anymore. 
95% of us today aren't making it and aren't going to make it under that plan. And I believe that the number of people that aren't going to make it is only going to increase because the rules have changed and they continue to change. And that's the bad news. The good news is you can change. So don't hold it against your parents or the school system with uh, regard to where you are financially in life at the moment. It's really easy to do. It's not their fault. They merely were just taught, they taught you what, what they were taught or what they were told to do. And don't be mad at your grandparents either because it's what they were taught also. In fact, what they were taught may have even worked for them and worked really well. But now it's different. And now that's all behind us. There's nothing we can do about the past. All we can control is the present. And by controlling your present, your future, that's how it's created. So ask yourself this, where will this outdated advice stop in my family tree? Where you will want to place your focus and the question you will want to routinely ask yourself is, where will this advice, this outdated advice, stop in my family tree? I know that in my family, that buck, that stops with me. You know, I'm a new father. My son's eight years old now, and, and I'm really envious of him because he's going to be raised to know only one way, the way to financial freedom. You see, whether it comes from our parents, our school system, or some combination of the two, the uh, traditional financial advice would have us send our money to the government, retail banks, investment banks, financial planners. And by the way, the vast majority of financial planners are not financially educated. They're just merely sales trained. In most cases, their financial incentives are not in alignment with your best interests. I mean, if they were leading their clients down the right path, would the 95% club even exist? Hmm, likely not. But, but that's a question to be answered another day. The point I'm making is that our school system has taught us from the beginning to send our money to other people, organizations, and institutions. True financial education consists of teaching you how to have money sent to you. And that is what my son is going to learn. And that's a big why for this show, for the Epic Pro Academy, for Cashflow Savvy, and now for the Epic Real Estate Fund, if I'm going to teach, I've got to first do, and so I am, because I'm real clear on as to what I'm going to teach my kids. The big question here is, what are you going to teach yours? What are you teaching them right now? You know, I don't know what you're teaching them, and I'm certainly not assuming that you're teaching your kids wrong. But it's a question to ponder. Even the best of us, it's a, it's a question to ponder. Even us that think we're doing exactly the right thing. It's not a waste of time to step back and just question, am I really doing the best thing? I mean, if you have kids, are you raising them in a family tradition of poverty or a family tradition of wealth? And as uncomfortable as that question might be for you, there's no right or wrong here. So just let the pressure roll right off your back. Because there's no right or wrong. There's no good or bad. It's just an idea to think about. And if you determine there's something that then needs to be done, then do it. All right, let's get back to what we were talking about. 95% of the population continues to miss the boat, right? 4% just barely make it. And only 1% reaches the age of 65 in the wealthy status. The Department of Health and Human Services they've got a definition for wealthy status. And that definition is having a net worth of $5 million or more. It's not my favorite definition of wealth, but it's their version. And that's what they base those statistics on. And we, we established earlier that if you want to be rich, you should learn from rich people, right? So if we look at what that wealthy 1% is doing and how they got their wealthy status... We just might find some clues for the 95% the club to learn from, right? That's logical. But even before we attempt to learn from that wealthy 1%, please, please, please stop learning 
from the poor 95%. Stop taking your advice from that group because if you continue to do what they do, you will continue to get what they got. Diddly squat. If you want to be rich, first stop doing what poor people do and then start doing what rich people do. So what do they do? All right, so of this 1% of our wealthy population, so this we're talking about the 1%. And I think it, 1% is, uh, it's having a net worth of $5 million or more per this stat. But I've heard, and I forget the resource, but the wealthy 1%, I believe, is over, uh, is an annual income of over $400,000. That puts you in the wealthy 1%. I'm not sure which one it is, but uh, if you're not there yet, then this is probably what you want to listen to. So of this wealthy 1%, 10% are physicians and attorneys, 10%. But before you start applying for med school, ask yourself this question. Do all doctors and lawyers make it to wealthy status? No, they don't. Just the most educated ones who consistently act on what they've learned. Many of them struggle to get by. So that's 10%. uh, Physicians and attorneys. Another 10% of this wealthy 1% consists of CEOs and company presidents. But let me ask you the same question. Do all CEOs and company presidents make it to wealthy status? No, just the most educated ones who consistently act on what they've learned. And then there's another 5% of this wealthy population. It's made up of, I don't know, can you guess? It's made up of super salespeople. Yeah, salesmen. Not the guy down there selling uh, Hondas. No, the guy that's selling the Lear Jets (laughs) and selling uh, corporate air conditioning and selling expensive items. But again, do all salespeople make it to wealthy status? Certainly not. Just the most educated ones who consistently act on what they've learned. So are you noticing a trend? Get this, a whopping 1% of the wealthy are lottery winners or heirs to wealth. So I'll ask the same question. Do all lottery winners maintain wealthy status? It may surprise you, maybe not, but the answer is no. Two out of three lottery winners not only find themselves broke within five years of their winning, but they find themselves in a worse position than before they won. So what that means is, if I just granted everyone in the country a $5 million prize, poof, like just like magic, everyone is now in that wealthy status. Within five years, two thirds of the population would have lost it. And what that means is even if your wealth is given to you, you had better be educated and know what to do with it. And by the way, athletes and celebrities are hardly a measurable sector of the population. And I thought that was interesting because it's what we see all the time. It's what we're exposed to all the time. The athletes and the celebrities and the actors and the, you know, just the the celebrities. That's what we see all the time, but they barely measure even a blip on the population. But even with them, it's worth noting that four out of five professional athletes are broke within five years of their retirement, regardless of how much they might have earned during their glory days. Financial literacy and education, it's a serious issue affecting every member of society. It's the reason you continue to hear that the gap between the rich and the poor is getting bigger and bigger. I mean, the middle class, they say, is all but disappearing. It's because most of the population is financially illiterate. They are operating with an outdated education and implementing outdated financial strategies and hiring others to carry out those outdated strategies for them. They're completely out of touch and disconnected from their financial futures. All right, so if you've been keeping track of the numbers, there is still 74% of the wealthiest 1% of our country unaccounted for. So what do you think they have in common, right? This is almost three-fourths of the wealthy 1%. What do they all have in common? And I ask this because if 74% of the wealthiest 1% created their wealth in a certain way, this must be, this must be the method to where the greatest possibility of wealth exists, right? I mean, if three-fourths of that 1% achieve their wealth using a certain method, then this method must be the way to where the greatest possibility of wealth exists. 
It's just simple logic. We're talking about a method that presents a seven times greater possibility of creating wealth than a physician, a lawyer, a CEO, or company president. And almost 15 times greater possibility than a super salesperson. A 70 times greater possibility than our lottery winners and heirs of wealth. And practically an infinitely greater possibility than becoming an entertainer or an athlete. So how did this 74% of the wealthiest 1% of our population create their wealth? They created their wealth through business ownership and real estate investing. You see, contrary to popular belief, in this 10 years in the running, uh, whether you knew this or not, I don't know, but uh, this is not really a real estate-specific podcast. It's really a money podcast. This is a show that revolves around your best shot at making a lot of money by creating a business out of real estate investing. So we're doubling down here. It's how 74% of the wealthy did it through business ownership and real estate. So if that's how three-fourths of them did it, it must be the most viable way, right? I mean, do you see the logic here? See, I know human beings. And human beings tend to favor the path of least resistance. And of all the ways to create wealth, the wealthy people found that path of least resistance. Business ownership and real estate. Do you see that? It's not my opinion. It's not my logic. It's just right there in the numbers. The math don't lie. Now, it's not without its resistance because the business of investing in real estate can be tough, can be really tough. It's not without resistance. I'm not saying that it's easy. It just presents the least resistance of what's available to the average person. Make sense? So why am I going over this so much? You might have even tuned out by now. Why am I saying the same thing essentially over and over? Well, it's because I'm trying to save your future. I'm trying to save your life. Your life, it's worth fighting for, and I'm fighting for it. And here's what I mean specifically. Of this way of creating wealth, this way that presents the least resistance of all other ways there is to create it, there are really only two reasons that you're going to fail. If you fail, it'll be because at some point you will either lose faith in real estate or you will lose faith in yourself. So I'm just taking a little extra time here to bolster your faith in real estate. We're going to get to you later. Don't worry about that. We're just talking about real estate. I want to eliminate the lack of faith in real estate as a possibility for your failure. I want to eliminate it. Alrighty, so let's get back to it. If you want to be rich, first thing, stop doing what poor people do. That's your starting point. Abandon following that traditional advice in the sequence of which you've, you were taught to follow it. I could also throw in, stop blaming others for your situation. Poor people do that. Stop making excuses. People do, poor people do that. Stop whining. Stop doing what poor people do. That's first. The next step then is to start doing what rich people do. And by the way, I'm talking about poor and rich, not by means of uh, passing judgment on anybody, but just as, and I realize that there's exceptions in both sides, but I'm talking about the majority. I'm talking about the math. I'm talking about the numbers. I'm not talking about the exceptions. And I'm just using the words rich and poor as a means of efficient communication. Alrighty. So before people get all upset and I catch a bunch of hate emails be saying, hey, I know a poor person that doesn't whine at all or something like that. All right. Just this is efficient communication. That's all I'm using it for. So as I've stated, there are several paths that you can take to financial freedom. And when faced with the decision of which path to take, doesn't it make sense to take one of the two where your possibility of success is the greatest or even more sense to double down and own a business that invests in real estate? It's through business ownership and real estate investing how 74% of the wealthy 1% got there. So let's take another look at the government statistics that I've shared with you thus far. Unless you own a business that invests in real estate, the odds are heavily stacked against you at ever achieving any sort of financial freedom. You might as well surrender to a life of worker B or dependent. That's why I created this show because 
I want more out of life for me. I want more out of life for my family. I want more out of life for my son. I want him to grow up knowing this stuff right from the get-go and not when he hits the age of 34 years old like I did. And I want more out of life for you. I mean, even if we have never met, the fact that you have listened this far has me liking you already. I consider you a friend at this point. And I feel an obligation to share with my friends what has created financial freedom for my family and me so that they can do for theirs, so that you can do for yours. Now, when I learned of the aforementioned statistics here, I don't know, years ago, I started to ponder questions like, why real estate, though? I mean, why is it real estate? What makes real estate such a powerful vehicle for creating wealth? Why do more people succeed with real estate than anything else? I mean, there's so many other options and avenues people could choose. What's so special about real estate? And after extensive research and pondering, I've come to call real estate an ideal investment. An ideal being an acronym. Each letter stands for something. The I stands for income. In real estate, with a solitary focus, you can generate both active and passive income. And what makes that so nice is that the potential for active income is so high, it can literally create and feed the passive income. It's perpetual. They work hand in hand, and it's an income that will last essentially forever as long as it's properly managed and maintained. So the D in our ideal acronym stands for deductions and depreciation. And something I learned later that I would have liked to in life was that it's estimated that somewhere between 50 and 55% of Americans' income will go to taxes in some shape, form, or fashion. 55%. That's like more than half of your lifetime's income. And so here's an amazing fact about real estate. And you're going to want to confirm this with your own CPA because everybody's situation is a little bit different. And I am not a CPA, but I am very comfortable stating that the average American with the purchase of just a couple of investment properties, two, three, maybe four max, can virtually eliminate their tax liability by claiming deductions from property depreciation and other real estate-related factors. That essentially translates to doubling your take-home income almost instantly. Even if you never make a dime off the real estate itself, that's pretty amazing, right? I mean, that's virtually eliminating your tax burden honestly, ethically, morally, legally, And even with the government's blessing, it's written right there in the tax code. They wrote it. They said, do this and you don't pay that. I mean, this fact alone makes real estate investing well worth the time and effort for everybody. Consider the amount of complaining from society that the rich unfairly get all of the tax breaks. How could it be unfair when each and every American is governed by the same tax laws? You just have to know the laws. You have to know the rules and then you just got to play by them. So to put it all in a nutshell, just buy some real estate. Keep it simple. Buy some real estate. That's a rule to follow that would take care of a bunch of what ails most Americans if they just did that. Alrighty, so the E in our ideal acronym stands for equity. And that's the difference between what you owe on a property and what it's worth. And over time, for the educated real estate investor, equity grows. In fact, it grows in two ways. First, by debt pay down. And second, which brings us to the A in our ideal acronym, by appreciation. Over time, you know, real estate, it has always proven to appreciate. Sure, it goes up and down, up and down. But if you reach out into any 20 years time span, it's always worth more at the end of that 20 years than it was at the beginning of those 20 years. Now, none of us for sure you know, we don't know what's going to happen, right? Even your experts on TV or your favorite gurus, they don't know either. They pretend to, they speak with such conviction. They use superlatives and and absolutes. They use words like everybody and nobody and always and never. No, they don't know either. They sound convincing, but they don't know. However, this is what we do all know. When supply is fixed, and demand goes up, so does value. In real estate, your supply is land and your demand is people. 
we're not making any more land. We got what we got. I mean, unless you count the lava flow that increases the big island of Hawaii every year or the man-made islands they're making in Dubai. Thus, the supply is pretty much fixed. We're not making any more land. It's here. People, however, we continue to make them. And so the demand continues to grow. And each generation is just a little bit bigger than the previous. There's some lulls here. There's some plateaus there, but it's getting bigger. There are an estimated 79 million baby boomers. You got somewhere around 90 million millennials. And depending on what year you start counting, I guess, is those numbers can fluctuate just a little bit. But uh, economists, I mean, they haven't come to a consensus on that of when that actually starts. But know this. There were more babies born in the year 2007 than any other year in history. So the demand for real estate isn't going anywhere. There are enough people walking the earth to eventually demand more housing than exists. Thus, we will experience appreciation. Certainly, there will be ups and downs along the way. But long-term appreciation is a pretty safe bet. Isn't that exciting? It gets me pumped. No? (laughs) Not you? Still too risky, you say? Can't count on appreciation like that? Well, couldn't you conservatively hedge that appreciation bet by investing in income-producing real estate? You know, because maybe your real estate appreciates in your first year or your fifth year, or maybe not until 20 years from your purchase. But does it really matter all that much how long you had to wait for your real estate to appreciate if it was producing a residual income for you while you waited? The point here is that people will always need places to live and the need for those places, it's only growing. Now, finally, the L in our ideal acronym, it stands for leverage. And in my opinion, this is probably the most powerful aspect of real estate. This is the real kicker. This is what makes it such a powerful wealth creator. It's uh, for a responsible and well-managed leverage in real estate. It's essentially wealth creation on steroids, for lack of a better phrase. Um, it can do amazing things. Leverage means that you set up ways to have other people's time, money, expertise, and energy work for you. This is a true force multiplier, leading to bigger and faster results than you could ever get on your own without leverage. There simply just aren't enough hours in the day or years in your life to achieve the results that leverage affords you. Proper leverage is key to the achievement of your financial goals. Now, our ideal acronym, it's complete. But I'd like to mention an additional aspect of real estate investing that doesn't get as much attention as it should. And that is the fact that real estate is tangible, meaning you can touch it. It's physical. It's never going to amount to zero. It's not just a piece of paper or an imaginary number in cyberspace that can rise and fall overnight just because someone sneezed, the wind changed direction, or or someone is just simply in a bad mood, so it goes down. You can reach out and touch your investment. It's the very reason that a bank will loan you money to buy real estate but they won't loan you money to buy stocks, bonds, mutual funds, or deposits into your retirement account. None of that stuff is real. It's all just numbers out there in cyberspace. Real estate is real. Hence the name. That's why they call it real estate. This tangible nature of real estate, it's one of the factors that leads to control. You will have much greater control of your real estate investments than the majority of your other investment options, which means you are less likely to be a victim of bad luck, a bad market, or a powerless situation. There are no bad real estate investments, just uneducated investors. An educated real estate investor has the knowledge and control to produce an income in any market because there will always be a demand for housing. It's one of the basic human needs. There's air, food, water, and shelter. Where there's demand, there's opportunity. And that demand isn't going anywhere. Thus, neither is the opportunity. Alrighty? So, a little more excited? Are you still on the fence whether to invest in real estate or not? Well, based on the statistics, you don't really have a choice. If financial freedom is a goal of yours, a significant portion of your financial portfolio should consist of real estate. It's that simple. However, investing in real estate properly... It's not necessarily easy. 
Simple? Yeah, very, very simple, as I always say. Easy? No. As I always say that, too. Simple, yes, easy, no. Well, not at first. You see, if investing in real estate were easy, everyone would be wealthy. However, of all those ways, different ways out there to create wealth, it is the easiest one you are going to find based on the numbers we talked about earlier. And when done properly, it's much easier and faster than anything else. And more importantly, it's the surest investment you can make. Real estate, it's the final frontier where the average person has a genuine shot at achieving financial freedom. Real estate, it's the real deal. And that's the reason for this show, the reason for this podcast, the reason I show up every day. Real estate is the real deal. No get-rich-quick schemes, no parlor tricks, and no false promises. Real estate is the real deal. And real estate investing, it's a skill. And that should be good news because it's not a it's not a buy a course and now I know how type of thing like a lot of people think it is. Or I watched a, a fix and flip TV show and now I know how to do it. No, it's a real skill which takes time to develop. And the good news is that skills can be learned. That's the good news about this, including this one. Real estate is not reserved for the privileged, the talented or the highly intelligent. Anyone can learn this skill. Anyone, even you. And if you are privileged, talented, or highly intelligent, then it'll be even easier. But it's not necessary. I mean, regardless of which path or vehicle you choose to achieve financial freedom, you're going to have to develop some kind of skill, possibly several. That's how we're compensated in our world. We're each paid based off of what we do, how well we do it, and how difficult it is to replace us. We're paid by the caliber of our skills. So to reach financial freedom, you're going to have to hone a skill. And with that being the case, doesn't it make sense to hone the one skill that empowers you with seven times the possibility of achieving financial freedom than any other skill? Makes sense to me. But again, you know your situation better than I do. Yeah, but still, Matt, the risk. What about the risk? All right, I get it. Chances are you likely know someone who has lost money. Perhaps a ton of money in real estate. Perhaps that someone is even you. And maybe the thought of losing or failing, that's got you paralyzed or at least hesitant at getting started. Or trying again. But you're still listening to this show because you know what's possible with real estate investing. Specifically, that the rewards can be huge, right? And we all know that with huge rewards come huge risk, right? No, not necessarily. What the masses fail to realize is that you can virtually eliminate the risk from real estate investing. And that's a bold statement, I know. One that might throw up a red flag or two, but stay with me, here's what I mean. You see, driving a car is risky, right? Will you argue that? I mean, it's the number five killer in America, car accidents. Yet each and every day, we get into our cars without giving it a second thought, don't we? I mean, we'll even strap our kids in the back seat for the ride. Why would you do that? Why would you put yourself at risk? Why would you put your children at risk by engaging with the number five killer in America on a daily basis? I mean, how dare you take your poor, helpless kids along for the ride? What kind of animal does that? All right, I'll stop there. My point is that driving a car is a very dangerous activity with tons of risk. There is life-threatening risks at every single corner. But because over the years we've learned to manage our risk while driving, we hardly give it a second thought. It has become second nature to stay on the right-hand side of the road, to stop at the red lights, to go on the greens, Keep both hands on the steering wheel. Obey the traffic signs and, and change the oil every few thousand miles. And because we do, our odds at arriving safely at our destination every day are pretty darn good, aren't they? Yeah, they're real good. That's what I mean by virtually eliminating the risk. Now, imagine investing in real estate with the same confidence and competence you have in driving a car. What would your bank account balance look like if you could? 
What would your life look like if you could? How would that make you feel? Would finances even be a concern if investing in real estate were second nature for you in the way that driving a car is? Here's my point. Death by real estate investing is not in the top 100 causes of death in America. Not in the top 100. Well, that was the last time I checked because I did check. It's been a while, but not in the top 100. So as long as you commit to your education, consistently act on what you learn and obey the rules, you'll realize, just like I have, that investing in real estate is the safest and most practical option available when it comes to putting your money to work and ultimately creating your financial freedom. If people tell you real estate is risky or tell you that you're crazy for investing in real estate, just glance, nod your head, smile. Let them have their opinion and you'll have yours. By the way, this would probably be a good time to ask how they have achieved their financial freedom. See what they say. Point being is choose your mentors wisely. Seek the advice and guidance of people that have what you want and keep in mind that people who say it can't be done are inevitably passed up by and should get out of the way of those that are doing it. What others think of you and what you're up to, none of your business. Sit with that overnight and then uh, we'll get started with some action steps tomorrow on uh, what should be, uh, what your business should start to look like and how it should begin or how it should Rebegin. Alrighty? God bless and to your success. I'm Matt Terrio. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. You didn't know, homeboy, we got the cash flow.